Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the X Button Podcast. Today is going to be a fun little episode talking about 2021 as a whole. It's been a long year full of great games and great experiences, uh, even outside of video games entirely with movies and shows and all this. Um, so what I did today was I went through and asked two co-hosts of the podcast, friends of the show, um, Steve and Groob, and we kind of just went through and weaseled our way through a bunch of questions about 2021 as a whole. What fared better? What was a surprise? What was your least favorite? What was overhyped maybe? What was um, the best indie? You know, uh, there's a lot of like things we kind of covered in this. And I think that, uh, I think we did a good job at covering enough content to kind of fill out the episode. But we'll see how long this goes. I'm not sure if this is going to be a full 30-minute episode uh, because it's just us reflecting on the year and while it was a very busy year inside the world of games i do want to say with that caveat that obviously covid's still a thing so it was a lot slower than a typical year would have been um but i think it's interesting to kind of look back on the things we've done uh and the journey we made along the way and kind of just sit back and reminisce uh i hope everybody is having a great thursday um for me, this is the end of the work week for me, baby. For me, daddy. Uh, tomorrow is New Year's, no, New Year's Eve, um, which means your boy. Which means that, I don't know, your boy is doing his award show ceremony on Friday for the podcast. And then after that, you know, it's the revolution. We're changing the podcast up. We're trying to come up with a schedule we're trying to do some different things i might even find a new song for the intro i'm not sure what all we're doing but i plan on changing a bunch and progressing this podcast forward because at its current state we will not get past pluto but with these changes we will 100 get past pluto so i appreciate everybody being here any new listener any old listener this has been a very long year and uh i'm jordan your host and i appreciate Everything you guys have have done for the podcast, been here every day, checking out the episodes, gone back and checked out older episodes, uh, just vibed with me on a lot of different things, and I appreciate you guys so much. So, uh, for this episode, like I said, we're going down another memory lane, if you will. Uh, shout outs to the start of the podcast. Basically going down and talking about different things that were... Uh, how this year was, basically. Uh, we're a year in review. We're kind of going through the year as a whole. Uh, we even give our first score on the podcast. We're giving our first score here. That's one of the changes we're making in 2022. We are starting a scoring system. Uh, and it looks like from the score that we have given, we are doing our score system out of 10. And uh, yeah, this is the first thing we're doing. So we'll end the episode with our yearly score. And we will just get right into the nitty gritty. Basically starting with... What was the biggest letdown? Uh, in a year full of amazing experiences, there were a couple couple downsides, a couple things that were kind of not so good, <laughs> if you will. Um, and we're here to talk about them. So let's start off with my answer, which was Outriders. In a world where this year starts off at a slow, brisk pace, and you're looking for something to play, and you're like, what is going to be that answer? What is going to be the game to occupy my time until the first game of the year comes out until Returnal gets here until uh, it takes two gets here until Kana gets here until Ratchet gets here until Forza gets here until Halo, Halo gets here until Metro Dragon gets here until uh, Mario Party gets here all these things 
what is going to entertain my time, but a little game called Outriders. Outriders came out, and you would think a couple months after the Cyberpunk snafu that these games would be a little bit more cautious about releasing games with such a buggy mess of bugs and glitches and network issues. Something that is not a uncommon trend in today's day and age, but it will be something that is like, I think it's a reason, at least part of the reason that some of these games are getting delayed so much. And the fact that this game did not get pushed back at all from this, you know, their final date, I guess, uh, is insane. The game comes out and for the most part it works, right? It, it works to it. It works enough. Uh, still a little buggy, still a little wonky mechanics wise. You kind of feel like there's some, there's some loose ends not tied up there. Um, and then I get to a point where I'm like, okay, I have a couple friends who own this game now. Let's play online. And what happens? You can't connect with anybody in a game that is based on co-op and teaming up with people like destiny and borderlands outriders drops the ball right on its own foot. And it is such a dramatic letdown for me because I was in a need. I was vulnerable. I mean, what, what can I say? I was in a weak point. I was a brittle man at that point, And I just needed something to, you know, take care of me, keep me warm during this time of wait, of just waiting for things, wait, waiting for resident evil and all these other games I'd li- listed. Um, and, and what, it, what is it? What, you know, what does it? It's, it's Outriders. And you sit there and go, what the hell happened? What, 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 what's going on here, bud? I mean, I look back on my gaming history this year and at the beginning of the year, I was scratching the bottom of the barrel, scraping the bottom, bottom of the barrel for some experience to kind of keep me busy until Sackboy came out. Or not Sackboy, Sackboy was already out. I'm stupid. Uh, I platted Sackboy. Um, well, actually, at this time, you know, we had Hitman 3, uh, which was a phenomenal game. Uh, definitely started the year off with a bang. But, you know, kind of after that, there was things I was waiting for still. And Outriders kind of came in April and was cl- uh, cleaning out the drought of games at the, at the time. And uh, it was just such a failure in terms of what it needed to do. And what it needed to do is come out and have the network work at least. Uh, then make sure the gameplay is sound. And then after that, worry about fixing it up and supporting for long term. But it, what it did was none of those things. And it didn't get updated until like two or three months later or something. And I just completely dropped off of it. Steven uh, says delays in general, which I agree. Delays were a nuisance this year. I mean, we were supposed to get God of War this year, uh, which is kind of insane. Dying Light got pushed out. Uh, I think Ghostwire Tokyo got pushed out. Um Obviously, the Halo, the Halo delay got pushed back until November. Um, so I agreed, delays were a nuisance, but I don't think it's anything new, and I don't think it's going to go away in 2022 either. Um, so I expect that to stay. But he also says GTA trilogy, which was a dramatic failure, uh, not only for the people who are just trying it out as a nostalgia kick, but for people who have been tied to the GTA franchise for GTA Five. They've all were, you know, both markets were kind of looking forward to this game. And what came out was a buggy mess that had game saves being deleted and the graphics were not that great in terms of a big upgrade. Um, At least what people were assuming it was going to happen. Because, you know, the GTA 5 fans were waiting for the the next gen upgrade, didn't come. Uh, GTA Trilogy came out and fell flat on its face. And then if you look at 
the only other saving grace for GTA 5 was the DLC that they came out with recently, which apparently also has bugs. So uh, I would say Rockstar had a pretty rocky year in terms of just releasing things in general and delaying uh, thing big features for GTA 5 to kind of keep it alive. But I know that such a big platform with a lot of people spending a lot of money might not be the easiest for them to kind of just spit out a, a next-gen upgrade. Then Groob says Battlefield, which I agree, Battlefield had a rocky launch. It came out during a time where people were high off Halo's network test. Um, Call of Duty was actually looking pretty good from their beta. And then Battlefield was literally just a shell of a a nostalgia. It basically just tried to bank on nostalgia and didn't really add anything to the nostalgia. It was just literally... Uh, oh, here's Battlefield 1943 or whatever and Bad Company and Battlefield 3 modes in Battlefield 5 um, or Battlefield, whatever the hell it's called, 2042. Um, and I think all they did was like they tried to bank on that nostalgia and it didn't work. It just felt like it was more of the same stuff in a slightly, not even drastic, slightly prettier skin, uh, which is a bummer. And then Back for Blood, uh, they were banking on the Left for Dead nostalgia kick. And what that did was... It set the bar too high for it, and I think it kind of killed itself before it even came out, DOA. And not to mention it functionally played weird when it when it came out. Uh, Auto-aim in that... I, I remember the early access or whatever, the beta. The auto-aim was ridiculous. Like It was like you slightly tap the left trigger, and you're just like snapping to enemy to enemy, uh, making it the easiest game in the world. Um, but obviously, it's a little bit more than that, and it's, it's, I think I agree it's a letdown. Um, but let's go to surprises. Let's let's get positive. Let's let's you know lift up from that point. What are some good things that happened? Uh, group says Kana Bridge of Spirits. Um, he said it outperformed his expectations. It had really great graphics, music, sound, uh, you know, visuals. Story was phenomenal, and not to mention that this is made from a small team. Uh, that is an indie team with slight support from Sony. This game out did outstanding for its. Um, for it coming out being an indie game, period, and then landing such a AAA style game launch, uh, and not fumbling in it, fumbling it there, and let alone it being a functionally sound game, uh, I think Kana did a great job at coming out and, like I said, doing what it needed to do. It needed to be a great story, a great game, and not be filtered with bugs and issues, and just have it work functionally to the point where it doesn't feel like anything less than AAA experience because it, it kind of already had that going for it. People were, st- were stunned by the first showing and uh, I don't think they were banking that it's going to be the next Halo or anything, but I think they were thinking it's definitely more than just your typical indie and it definitely was more than just your typical indie. Steve says it takes two co-op, which I agree. It takes two co-op was beautiful. It was actually a, a great bonding experience with your friends and you get to not only compete against, but com- you obviously compete with, or I guess, uh, you know, co-op with uh, your your friend or your, your loved one or your teammate, whatever. It is all, it is the epitome of working together. It's epitome of bringing couch co-op to online servers, just like A Way Out kind of did. Uh, this one definitely perfected it, and I can't wait to see what they do next. And they won Game of the Year at Game of the Year, or at uh, Game Awards, not Game of the Year Awards. Hmm. Uh, but you get what I'm saying. It was an outstanding surprise, and I completely agree. And then my answer, uh, now that we got Steven Groove's answer out of the way, Joe's surprise of the year is Guardians of the Galaxy. This game came out 
and every showing they showed of it, I was like, this looks like garbage. It's not going to play well. It's going to have bugs. It's going to get delayed. It's going to have issues. That soundtrack better be good. The actors are going to feel like knockoffs. And what we got was a beautiful, beautiful story. Beautiful graphics. Animation's a little wonky. Um, but I think that's just that Eidos Montreal style stuff. Because you kind of see it in uh, Avengers as well. But it nails what it needs to do for the most part. You you feel like you're playing Guardians of the Galaxy. Because the, the writing is so great. And the, the comedy in it is written so well. And the characters are so much caricatures of themselves. If that makes sense. That... They embody the MCU versions of themselves and the comic versions of themselves uh, all brought to a game. And there's really no slouching. You don't feel like you're getting ripped off. They don't feel like knockoffs. It feels like they are... If you've watched the movies, you'd be familiar. If you if you read the comics, you would be familiar. Um, they play up their roles very much. And I think that uh, Rocket was probably my favorite character in the game. Gamora is great as well. Drax even... They all get their own time to shine and they all have even deeper backstories and interactions with each other. And like I said, the writing is just phenomenal. They won Best Narrative at the Game Awards as well. And I think that they deserve it because uh, me going in with the lowest expectations, I kind of came out being thoroughly surprised by an actual great Marvel game that I think a lot of people probably slept on. And it is going on sale everywhere. So definitely get that if you haven't got it. Then... um, <clears throat> I asked, what game doesn't have to be this year? What game did you spend the most time on this year? And Steve said Returnal uh, because the plat took a while, which I agree. Uh, if you look at the plat for that one, it, it relied on RNG, and that took a, definitely took a while. It took me a long time, so I agree. Um, and then Groob said Assassin's Creed because he was working on the Platinum, which, of course, if you don't know, Assassin's Creed Valhalla came out last year, and it was a like 80 hour experience plus to get the platinum. So he was attempting, attempting to get the platinum on that. And that took, I think over like 140 hours, something crazy. Um, and then for me, I was also doing the same thing of going for an old game plat. Uh, but I still can kind of say I am sticking to the 2021 scheme. Um, mine was Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk pro skater one plus two. I was trying to get the platinum on that. And I spent way too long on that game just trying to get that plat because you have to grind it out to level 100. No pun intended. And, of course, there's not a easy way to get to get a XP. So I literally had to grind the first 20 seconds of a mission over and over and over and over and over for like a day. And then I got it. It, was, it took very long. I had to literally just check back in every day and try to like work on it. It was very annoying. But in the end, I think that might be... The most accumulated <laughs> thing I did this year. Um, then uh, let's go for best trophy list for PlayStation PlayStation players. We're all PlayStation players here. Uh, we all have all the consoles, but we're still kind of, you know, uh, we like to talk about trophies. Let's put it that way. Uh, Steve said Hitman 3 had the best trophy list because he enjoyed it. Um, it was just the, f- the, more, the most fun for him. He definitely liked that game a lot. Uh, I enjoyed the game thoroughly. I absolutely love Hitman 3, and I think... Uh, I actually want to go back for the plat now that he's mentioning that. So I definitely want to try that out and see how that goes. I said Ratchet. Ratchet was a simple plat. It was fun. It was very entertaining. And by the time you got done with that game and by the time I kind of got 
uh, what do you say, uh, worn out on the game. Kind of just like, okay, I'm done with it. Uh, it was around the time I kind of got the platinum. I was like, okay, I've, I think I've had my fill of this game and I don't really need to do more. And it kind of fills itself out to where you can kind of go back and clear off the checklist, but also not be backbreaking to where you got to grind anything out really. Uh, absolutely love it. And then group set Assassin's Creed, which uh, obviously he spent the most time on that. So it's going to be his. And uh, yeah, I, I commend him for that. Assassin's Creed takes a long time to get a plat. And uh, you know, I can't blame him. Um, or no, wait, <laughs> that was a time. Okay. So his trophy, best trophy list was Ratchet and Clank first. Uh, so he agreed. And then he switched it to Biomutant actually. Biomutant is a game that a lot of people forgot came out this year, which is also in interesting because that game is pretty good. I mean, that was another indie game that if Kena didn't come out, that would probably be the most impressive indie game to come out. Uh, it definitely wasn't perfect. It had a lot of bugs. It was weird. Um, the build that group made made his plat run very easy, uh, where I made a melee build and it was uh, inferior by miles to the the gun build that he made, uh, which kind of sucks because you know that's something they could have easily figured out, but I guess there just wasn't enough tr uh, timing to test that. But yeah, it is what it is. Biomune's a, a pretty great, 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 great pretty great game, and uh, I recommend going going to check it out if you uh, haven't played it. I don't think it's a something you need to like buy immediately, but maybe when it goes on sale or you catch it pretty cheap, uh, it's a fun experience if there's nothing else to play. Uh, similar to like Maneater. Like I played Maneater earlier this year as well, and that game, I don't think it came out this year, but that game was phenomenal. And uh, it was mainly just a checkbox open world shark game, but, um, and it was mainly meant to be like funny and shit, but uh, I think it kind of serves the same market as like Biomutant, where it's a open world. RPG, you can make your own build, you can customize your own mutant, which actually was very advanced for what they were doing. Um, and that's like the gist of the game. You're basically just going around fighting other mutants, uh, clearing off the map, and it was just satisfying on that level. Uh, what is an old game that you you uh, checked out this year that you actually liked? Uh, Steve said Playtale Innocence, which they have Playtale Requiem coming out, I think, next year possibly. Um and I actually like this, the beginning of this game. I haven't dove too deep into it, but uh, I can definitely see how it's like, I see the gems there. I, I need to finish it, so I can't really speak on it too much. But I definitely see the gems there for it being something awesome. And he says it's awesome, so I'll take his word for it. Groob, on the other hand, said Hollow Knight and Ori and the Will of the Wisps, because they are both games that didn't come out this year. And um, he spent a lot of time on Hollow Knight, and he did not get the platinum. Uh, poor one out for Groob. He did not get the plat on Hollow Knight. Let everybody know that he did not get the damn plat on Hollow Knight, but he did spend uh, almost as much time as Assassin's Creed on that game, and I'm trying to challenge him to do it, but he doesn't want to go back because it's too hard. Um, then Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I mean, you know, me and the boys all got Xboxes this year, and whenever we did, the first thing we played, or one of the first things we played was Ori, and it seems like I fell off. Uh, Steve loved it. And the group really loved it. And it, it, it's just an awesome platforming, beautiful art. Like Ori and the Will of the Wisps, the sequel to Ori and the Blind Forest was like <sighs> that art in 4K on like a 4K TV with HDR. It just looks beautiful, gorgeous. Colors pop so crazy. Uh, it's it's mystical looking. Uh, underrated for sure in terms of graphics. Uh, and then the game I went to, which I kind of regrettably want to say this, <clears throat> uh, I went to Cuphead. 
Uh, I played Cuphead this year. I played it recently. I'm, I'm starting to get into it now. I started playing it just because I was bored one day. I was like, okay, let me try it out. It was just on my system. You know, I had it downloaded from a long time ago where I fell off of it. And I was like, let me let me try to get used to it. I want to I wanna see what the fuss is about with this game. Because it's kind of like Dark Souls. You know, you don't really know what the fun is until you get in there. And um, it's very much like Dark Souls in a sense where, like, you're fighting a boss. You need to learn its patterns. And you need to dodge its patterns. And that's the same thing you're doing in Dark Souls. It's just this is a 2D thing where you're holding square the whole time. And you sometimes hold R1 to aim and Y or triangle to dash. So... You know, it depends on what you're playing on, but still, it is an amazing game. I absolutely love Cuphead. I love the music. I love the art. Uh, the boss designs are actually very, very interesting and very well made. And uh, I'm slowly getting excited for the DLC, but that's only if I'm mentally still here after 30,000 deaths on a damn Cuphead boss, okay? If, if I can make it past the main game, I'm probably going to be excited for the DLC. But so far, I am loving the boss design. It's one of those things where you keep dying, but it's still so good, and you just can't get enough of it. So I uh, I commend Cuphead. I love it. Um, one thing we all agreed was the best indie game we played this year, though, was Cana Bridge of Spirits. Like I said, it's made by a small team, supported by PlayStation. It was just beautiful. It was a nice platforming adventure game, and Kana... The whole story was great with her kind of being a, uh, what do you call it? A ghost whisperer in a way. And, or I guess a uh, spirit bridger, whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I just think that that game was very interesting in the sense that like, it wasn't any game, but it did, it did not feel like it at all. So uh, I kind of went into it already. I don't want to go into it again, really. But, um, and then from there... We have a couple things that are not are not uh, gaming related. We have books, we have movies, and we have... Uh, I'm going to toss in TV show. We, I did not ask the boys that, but uh, let's go into it. Best book. Um, best book, group said Solo Leveling, which is a uh, Korean manga. Definitely highly recommend checking it out if you are into reading. I said Berserk. I'm not going to go into it because I talk about it all the time. Love Berserk. One of the best mangas ever made. Uh, not just said by me, but many people. And I am still enjoying it. I just finished Deluxe Book 9. So I think I'm on like Manga Book 28 or something like that. I don't know what it is. Um, and I'm, or I fixed, I finished 8 and I'm about to be on 9. Uh, so I can't wait to do that. And then Steve completed all of Invincible, the manga, which apparently goes past the show and I think even ends on its own. So... Oof, the, that boy spent a lot of time on, on Invincible, I'll tell you that much. Um, best movie, No Way Home, Spider-Man No Way Home, come on. Let's be real. Uh, a, a nice little runner-up is Dune, that's for sure. That movie was great, but it wasn't really a full movie. It, it was the first half of a movie, so uh, I kind of want to see the rest before I kind of fully judge it, but it's definitely a nice, nice shout-out. The worst movie, Matrix, obviously, um, or Into the Heights. I did not like Into the Heights. I love Hamilton. But Into the Heights was just not it for me. I got an abuela, but it's not really my abuela. But she's kind of my abuela. And I don't have an abuela, but that's my abuela. Okay. We get it, buddy. Then uh, Matrix was just so meta and so terrible. And it's so cringy and eye-rolly that it's it's so bad that it's not bad. Or no, no, sorry. I said that wrong. It's so bad that it's not in that territory where it's like, it's so bad it's good. It's like right before that. It's like, it's no, it's just bad. 
Um, but moving back to games, let's move back to games, and then we'll close it out on these last couple notes. Um, most underrated game, or let's do most overhyped, because that's a little bit more negative. We'll end, start with negative, go to positive, then close it out. Um, the most overhyped game, group says, says Halo. Uh, he says Halo 3 and Halo uh, 5 are better. Those are his words, not mine. I can't agree. But hey, man, we respect opinions on this podcast. So if you think that group, that's okay. Uh, I personally disagree. I think the most overhyped game has to be Deathloop. Um, Deathloop just... Deathloop, I like it. I do like the game. But the people... I mean, some of the outlets were given at 10s. And I think... While it is a great game, might be even around the nines, maybe. I don't know uh, if I were rating this year. Um, I think that it's like, it's a great game, but I think it was a little overhyped. And I think it shares too much DNA of Dishonored to be uh, different enough for me to call it a brand new mind-boggling experience. I think the loop mechanic is not that new. Uh, I think the gameplay is mostly like Dishonored. Um but I think obviously the Juliana aspect, the voice actor, the world, um, the enemies, it, it's obviously not Dishonored and it definitely tries to evolve from that. But I think it is, <clears throat> the way I put it was, Dishon- or, uh, Deathloop is the Dishonored, di- or the, sorry, let me, I'm stumbling. Deathloop is the Dishonored sequel I wanted that Dishonored 2 wasn't. Uh, if that makes any sense. I feel like it made the right uh, progressions from Dishonored that Dishonored 2 should have made, where Dishonored 2 felt like a greatest hits or like, uh, you know, a bunch of new areas in the same world, in the same game. It was just like, it didn't feel like it advanced enough from Dishonored 1. Um, maybe I need to replay those. I don't know. Maybe I'm out of touch. Uh, Steve agrees. Steve also said Deathloop, and we'll leave it at that. Most underrated game, though. This is where we give praise for games that might need a little bit more... Uh, not really need more, but let's say we think it should be talked about more. That's a better way to look at it when it comes to this accolade because it's more something like, uh, for example, Steve said Psychonauts 2. Uh, that game got a bunch of great scores. A lot of people talk about how great it is. Uh, he's saying people need to talk about it more. Uh, it needs more shine. It's such a good game that he he thinks it, it needs to be at least talked about more. Not the game of the year or anything, but definitely... Definitely put it in the forefront a little bit more, which I agree. I mean, the parts I did play of that game were pretty fantastic. I hear uh, later in the game it doesn't really improve in the terms of it being a platformer, but it does improve in progressing a story, um, moving forward in different areas, kind of exploring different worlds, and that's what is interesting about it. Similar to how like Ratchet and Clank kind of did that, where the worlds you were traveling to and the uh, teleportation mechanic with the, the, the holes or whatever... What is what made it interesting. Um, I personally said, or a group said, Kina and Biomutant were most underrated. Kina, I think it falls into the Psychonauts 2 thing where it is an amazing game. And um, we're kind of agreeing that it needs to be talked about more. It's something that needs to be played. If you haven't played Kina, go play it. And then Biomutant is a fantastic, another fantastic indie. Like I said, it probably would be the best indie this year if it didn't give it to Kena unless I'm missing something. I know a lot of people liked inscription and some other, uh, options, but I think Biomutant was heavily slept on. I think that is a more apt answer in terms of it being underrated. Uh, I don't think it needs to be 
it, it probably won't be wouldn't be the best indie of the year with that but um i'm saying it's really good <laughs> i might be overhyping it in my head now um but Biomune is really good i think if you haven't played it go play it and i think uh the amount of praise it didn't get was kind of kind of shocking but I, I i agree that it didn't do uh the most drastic progress progressions to be a like a striking new experience it was uh, a lot of the run-of-the-mill stuff but it definitely was pretty great for what an indie has done and created a world that has a lot of potential for a sequel um and then i did little nightmares too speaking of sequels um the first game was amazing and then you play this one not gonna spoil the ending but the, the ending was phenomenal the world is phenomenal the art is phenomenal and the ps5 version came out as well so you get to play it on an even better uh you know even better graphics even better performance and the world they create in little nightmares is so creepy but it's so weird and also know this little nightmares 2 is not i would not it's creepy don't get me wrong it's literally nightmares in the name but i would not consider it a horror game i don't think it's a horror game i think it's a platformer it's a fun little side-scrolling platformer and there are certain points where there are scary things chasing you or like hovering around the area and it's not like it's more like a thriller than it is a horror game. It's not like Five Nights at Freddy's where you're just getting jump scared. Um, this one is literally like you're spending more time dodging these enemies than confronting them head on or like trying to hide from them. And then they just pop out and jump scare you. You're seeing them the entire time. Um, and like I said, the world they make, the character designs and all this, it's so detailed and so great. Uh, absolutely love Little Nightmares. And I think that's very, very underrated. Um, and then... <clears throat> I asked a simple question and then I asked them to score giving our first score of the year for 2021 wrapping up the uh, year in review before our award ceremony tomorrow uh, if you want to call it a award ceremony but you get what I'm saying so <clears throat> I asked who had the best year and I think that's a good good question because I mean you have Nintendo, you have all these players, you have Xbox, PlayStation, uh, you can even throw Quest in there or whatever. But I, I asked who had the best year. That's all I asked. Um, Groob started off saying PlayStation. He said PlayStation had a great year because it had a Returnal, had Ratchet and Clank, it had uh, Kena, it had you know it, it just pumped out all these all these first party experiences. And uh, I can't argue with that. You know, that's a great, a great opinion. I, I could definitely see that. Um, but in a world where PlayStation has dominated for multiple years and Xbox has been in the background, for Xbox to come out with such a strong stride with Forza, with Halo, with 12 Minutes, with um, Game Pass just thriving out the fucking wazoo, um, uh, Psychonauts, you know, there, there's all these experiences you have on Xbox that are like, um, it's just their year, their year is such a great setup for what 2022 is going to be and seeing how great Halo and Forza, even if they were late in the year, um, they were such beacons in gaming lately. Like I come home and I, I want to get on my PlayStation, but there's nothing on there right now. I mean, there are things I could replay miles. I could do other things, but like, uh, there are most of the things I'm playing on there now are Guardians, Deathloop, or not Deathloop, but Guardians and uh, Life is Strange, things like that. They're all like third-party experiences, and I think that's what kind of draws it back for PlayStation for me. Um, 
most of the first party experiences were were played and uh, beaten on PlayStation. But after they were beaten, they were kind of forgotten. And I am still, even though it's it might be recency bias that kind of saves us, I'm not sure. But me and Steve both agree that Xbox had a great year. And I think that is attributed to Halo and Forza absolutely dominating the back half of the year. Uh, I know the first year, first half of the year was mostly um, PlayStation exclusives, but with the, the mid-year kind of getting mixed in with uh, some Xbox and PlayStation indies and non-indies, and then the back half of the year ending heavily on Xbox's shoulders, uh, and it actually performing very well with the games not having many bugs on launch, and actually performing well in terms of reviews and art. Even Forza is being talked about in game of the year, which I think is stunning. It is a racer. Uh, it is an evolution of Forza Horizon three or four, sorry, but not a drastic upgrade, but still it is so refined to a T and the gameplay is so tight and the amount of customization you can do and the, the life breathing in that when the lobby started working, uh, makes it a dramatic, a dramatic, matic upgrade from the previous and uh, the previous games not only that but the world you're driving in is also a, a pretty big upgrade and i think all this put together makes forza horizon 5 pretty much the the greatest hits quote unquote of um forza and then on top of that you have halo popping out uh a couple of weeks later and giving you a surprise launch with the multiplayer where the multiplayer is damn near flawless outside of the battle pass and a couple of small things um, and maybe map support. But overall, like the multiplayer is sound. like it, It's competitive. It's fun. Uh, you toss in the new modes they added recently and you got Fiesta and all these things. And then you toss in the battle pass that I've already beaten. But still, uh, once they did get the XP down, I was able to get to level 100, no problem. And... I think it's such a, a nice kickstart to what 2022 is bringing. But not only that, it also ends the 2021 year on a on a time period where I'm coming home, turning on my Xbox, playing Halo and Forza. And uh, I have many games I need to play on PlayStation, but I keep coming back to these experiences because they are very, very great. And I think dropping these two pillars uh, that have longevity outside of just a a uh, exclusive dropping and being kind of forgotten about. Um, I think it says something to Xbox's uh, level where they are, where they're, where they're at right now, what they're going into, what kind of energy they're bringing into 2022. Um, And then to wrap all this up, to end this episode on a beautiful note with our first score ever on the podcast, because we never really scored anything before. Now we're, now we're getting into the critique bag. Okay. 2022, we're getting scores. Um, I think that is an important upgrade because I know that uh, sometimes it's not just reliant on hey, let's give out, let's give out a should we recommend, should we not recommend? Because sometimes I could recommend something, and you'd be like fuck it, or I could say hey, it's a seven or an eight or a six, and you can kind of go oh sixes uh, typically aren't too bad for me. Uh, it might still be worth trying. I mean, I got this other opinion. Da da da. da. You know, I, I just think it's kind of it would be good to add it to the pool of opinions you should take in, and I want to be a part of that so um going with that being said what did we rate this year surprisingly we all three rated it the same number uh and we didn't even have a discussion we i just asked the question and we all popped it out at the same time so for 2021 group steve and joe we all three say 2021 
in terms of game releases and impact and a uh, you know what kind of year we had i think with the lack of uh, you know if you compare it to other years like last of us 2 coming out and all this um this year had great games come out but not not many were flawless i think xbox definitely had the stronger showing near the end um in terms of like longevity games and obviously playstation held it held it down for the single player experiences early uh I think overall the year was a solid seven. I think, you know, we, we, it was okay. We, we got a lot of good experiences. We got some bad experiences like Outriders, Back for Blood, Battlefield. You know, we got a bunch of delays. We got GTA. Uh, there, it, it's not a flawless year by any means, and we've definitely had better. So I think it's fair to say that it, a seven is pretty solid for what we kind of experienced. Not to mention that, uh, the, I would say it's like an average feeling score of a seven, but, it's it's pretty accurate. I mean, I feel like the reason we have some of these older games listed on here about like what games are old that we got into and what game do we spend most time on and we said a bunch of older games. I think that's said because there wasn't anything to keep us on the games long enough this year. It wasn't something that really gripped us. Um, but we'll see how 2022 goes. You know, it seems like 2022 is set up for a even bigger year than this one and I cannot wait for it. And I'll tell you what, I cannot wait for our award ceremony tomorrow. I'm still coming up with more uh, categories and awards to give out. So I appreciate you guys listening. Look out for that episode tomorrow. I appreciate you guys being here and supporting the podcast. Um, I think that is the biggest thing of 2021 for me is that I started this podcast and it's been a passion project for me. And I've always loved talking about video games and just diving in and giving my opinion, um, expressing my my love and passion for certain certain projects I've played. And um, I want to thank all the devs who make games and all the players who play games. And I think it's, it's something that we can collectively come here and appreciate. And I absolutely, I absolutely appreciate you guys coming to the X button podcast to get some news, get some fun, get some jokes, get some laughs, get some uh, gaming content. And I'm here to bring it and I will only be improving. So Look out for the awards tomorrow. Uh, Look out for the new year starting Monday. And I will see you guys tomorrow. Bye, guys.